After finishing as the runner-up for Offensive Rookie of the Year a year ago, Ken Walker III didn't exactly need a coming-out party, but he enjoyed arguably his greatest game and now has an award for it. We'll be breaking it all down on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined as always here for Matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Any special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening nearby in Glacier Peak or in the middle of the country in massive Chicago, Illinois. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's matchup Wednesday. We're going to be diving into all the key positional battles to watch as the Seahawks begin preparation for the New York Giants on the road Monday night football primetime lights for the first time this season for the Seahawks. One of our favorite episodes of the week. Looking forward to diving into all those key matchups. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Last year, Ken Walker III became just the second rookie running back in Seahawks history to eclipse 1,000 rushing yards. He finished second in Offensive Rookie of the Year balloting. But last weekend may have been his coming out party in terms of all-around effectiveness. Nearly 100 rushing yards, 59 receiving yards almost 20 yards per catch in the game for the Seahawks and a pair of second half touchdowns to help him pull away from the Panthers late. And that was enough to earn himself NFC offensive player of the week honors. The first Seahawk to get a player of the week honor so far this season. And we already know, Rob, how talented of a player and how athletic Ken Walker III is. We've thrown some pretty big names out there when we discuss what his skill set compares to, whether it has been Gail Sayers or Barry Sanders. We've thrown some Hall of Fame caliber talent around. We've talked about uh, comps for players with skill sets, and yet this really did feel like a game where we kind of saw Ken Walker III take that next step, both as a runner and a receiver. No, oh, beautifully put, sir. I think that is exactly, uh, you know, how we should be describing what what Kenneth Walker III did uh, this last week against the Carolina Panthers, and he was absolutely dynamic. He was he was equally dynamic, I thought, against the Detroit Lions a week previously, and you know, again in in Detroit and the Barry Sanders comparisons and all of that kind of stuff. I, I, it's it's just interesting to me because there were other players that were more productive. I mean, DeAndre Swift at for the Philadelphia Eagles averaged 8.1 yards per carry in an Eagles win, wound up having 130 rushing yards. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard in a losing cause still, he had 122 rushing yards. You know, and that, that's what you expect when you think about running backs is what did they actually run for? And so the fact that Ken Walker, the third winds up getting the NFC offensive player of the week. And as a running back, you expect there to be a whole bunch of rushing yards for him to be under the 100 yard rushing mark. To, but I, I think that sometimes people are kind of expecting that you should be above that if you're going to be the player of the week. Yet I think that the fact that he was equally dynamic as a runner 
and as a receiver that he scored two touchdowns in a winning cause. To me, this is exactly the argument that we tried to present a year ago when it was Garrett Wilson for a New York Jets team that, hey, give them a little bit of credit. They won a few games last year, but they certainly didn't win as many as the Seahawks did. And they weren't as critical, Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, as critical to the Jets' success a year ago as Kenneth Walker was to the Seahawks' success a year ago. And that was why I always kind of argued that he should have been the offensive player of the year as a, or excuse me, offensive rookie of the year a season ago. It's just the, the ability to make people miss in very tight spaces that the, the lateral quickness, the, the instincts that he possesses, he, he really is a very dynamic running back. And I, I think this is an award that is very well-deserved and, and a one that uh, I'm excited about moving forward because I think that there is success still to be attained for this dynamic second-year player for the Seahawks. I'm glad you pointed out the idea that typically a offensive player of the week at the running back position, it's usually synonymous with triple digits in the rushing yards category. But what really set Ken Walker the third apart this week is the fact that he had over 150 all-purpose yards because he had almost 60 receiving yards. And what really jumped out to me when we're looking at that next step for a player like Ken Walker III, we saw the slitheriness last year, the ability to turn nothing into a big game. There were times it blew up in his face too. That's going to happen sometimes when you're a player like that, that has that kind of ability out of the backfield. There are going to be times you take gambles trying to get yardage that it ends up blowing up and you have a two or three yard loss. But I feel like he has cut down on those plays some this year. And I feel like he isn't taking those chances quite as often. It seems like he's getting a better feel of the line of scrimmage and when he should and when he shouldn't try to make those kind of runs. And there's two plays that jump out to me from Sunday's game. The first one was around the 740 mark in the first quarter. And it was an inside zone to the right. And Carolina, to their credit, they had that play snuffed out. The entire right side of the offensive line got pushed backward. And Ken Walker III ran into one of his linemen. It looked like he was going to be a two or three yard loss minimum on that play. But he was able to then bounce the run way out to the outside to the left. And he was able to outrun several defenders that were in pursuit towards the sideline. And he turned it into a seven yard gain on a play that he should have lost three yards. And there are very few backs. All these guys are phenomenal athletes, but there are very few NFL running backs that could have done what he did on that play. The ability to extend something that was completely broken. Again, there were some plays last year where he got stuffed when he tried to do that, but you're willing to let him do that because he can do plays like that on the field where he ends up turning a big loss into nearly a first down carry. And the other one, his longest run of the game coming in the second half he has a killer jump cut. And I'm trying to remember which Panthers defender that it was. It was one of their corners was crashing down and looked like he had Ken Walker III lined up when he did one of those bounce back maneuvers because the run to the left was bottled up. The Panthers had it stopped in the line of scrimmage. He cut back to his right and he just laid out the nastiest jump cut. Like It looked like a video game jump cut and left the corner just grasping for air and the thing that he can do that I don't know there's another running back in the NFL right now. This is the type of praise I'm going to be dishing here. I don't know that there is a running back in the NFL right now that can accelerate out of a jump cut the way that Ken Walker III does because he got out of that jump cut and then boom, he's along the sideline. He gets 36 yards out of that play. And so 
those are the kind of things that you're seeing. But I'm seeing him make those improvisation runs a little bit less this year, and he's being a little more decisive. And that is turning into a better yards per carry average. And obviously, the receiving on the outside, as long as catch, he was out on the boundary and ended up catching a 30-plus yard reception. So we are seeing this kid grow as an all-around player. He's been really good in pass protection the first three games. He is turning into the one, of, one of the best all-around backs in the NFL, in my opinion. No, he, he really is. Uh, and as, as you mentioned, I mean, he caught that other ball on the outside. I mean, he was lined up as a wide receiver. I mean, you're not going to see very many running backs who are going to be able to pull that off. Uh, you know, and, and so you, you mentioned before about the fact that, uh, you know, we, we have – highlighted him we have sung his praises we've you know compared him to gail sayers and barry sanders you know to me the only other rack in the nfl right now who is playing at this kind of level is christian mccaffrey there's there's not very many guys that i've seen be able to make the jump cut that he does and i've got another hall of fame name for you that in my opinion is still one of the absolute best when it comes to his vision his ability to cut back against the grain and that would be terrell davis from the denver broncos he is one of the absolute best I've ever seen in terms of running one way, seeing an angle that's cutting back the other way, cutting back against the grain. That's where Kenneth Walker III has made some dynamic plays. And Ken Walker III is a better athlete than Terrell Davis ever wanted to be. And so that, to me, is the, the kind of standard that we're talking about here. This is an absolutely dynamic player justifying where Seattle selected him in the first place. And I think that is the biggest reason why that Seattle is now in position to continue to have the success that they are having. He was spectacular all season long so far, and as has been Zach Charbonnet. So that's, again, is just kind of justifying why Seattle has used the selections that they have at the running back position. I am a huge fan of what Kenneth Walker III has done so far, and I am eager to see what he is going to do moving forward as well. Ken Walker III right now is putting a pretty nice display out there for those that are still in favor of using earlier draft picks on running backs because there are not guys that you're going to be drafting in the fifth, sixth, seventh round or bringing it undrafted that are going to be making runs like that one with the jump cut that he had. You're not going to get players like that in the later rounds. Can you get productive running backs? Absolutely. You're not going to get players, though, that have those type of Hall of Fame caliber traits. And so Seattle looking pretty smart right now with the two running backs they drafted in the second round, both those guys being a big part of that win against Carolina. And they're hoping the run game is going to continue to be a big part of this top five scoring offense. They're number four in the NFL through three weeks, even after that egg they laid in week one. This is an offense that seems to be finding its way. And a big part of that has been the talent that they've got at the running back position. Coming up next, we're going to get into our weekly matchups, and we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to start with the Seahawks on defense going up against a Giants offense that has struggled mightily through the first three weeks of the season. We'll get to our key matchups coming up next here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks which is brought your way by our partners at eBay Motors. eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iger to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Heading into week four, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us in this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. 
Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley has the classic rebound and revenge opportunity playing in London in week four against his former team, the Falcons. Ridley has been very quiet with Jacksonville's passing game slumping the past two weeks, but he will return more to his stellar week one debut against his former team. The Jaguars will do a better job of scheming him open across the pond and making his massive target volume from Trevor Lawrence count big time again. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your car needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply you're listening to the matchup wednesday edition of locked on seahawks this is your host corbin smith glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime Rob Rang, and a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, one of my favorite hosts to work with on the Locked On Podcast Network, Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants. We are going to be diving into this upcoming Monday night matchup, looking even deeper at the matchups, keys to victory, key storylines, you name it. Going to be a really fun episode, so make sure you are listening in. That'll be dropping early on Thursday morning. Let's get to those matchups here, Rob. And these are two teams that actually have some familiarity. They did play last year in week eight at Lumen Field. The Seahawks getting the win. Both teams made the playoff. The Giants actually won a playoff game, beating the Minnesota Vikings and then got sent home. But they were able to advance to the divisional round. So far, though, this year, one team is trending towards getting back to the playoffs. The other one has not been. And one of the big reasons the Giants have struggled out of the gate, they are ranked 30th right now in scoring offense. They haven't been able to get their running game on track. Their best running back is hurt, may or may not play in this game. But when you look at this matchup, really what the biggest issue for the Giants has been to this point, Rob, their interior offensive line, much like the Panthers a week ago, they've had injuries. They've had players that have underperformed. Mark Glowinski got benched not once but twice in the first three weeks. He's not going to start this game against the Seahawks, his former team. This does feel like a matchup that is catered well for Jaron Reed, Mario Edwards, and Draymond Jones to be able to get after Daniel Jones, who has looked a bit skittish back there in the pocket these first three games. He has. I would just preface this by just saying that the the New York Giants have had a pretty formidable three-game stretch tonight. Their one victory is against the Arizona Cardinals that a lot of people expected were going to be the worst team in the NFL, and that was the one team that the Giants, again, had a victory over. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, who I would argue are two of the absolute best teams in the NFL, especially along the line of scrimmage. So I think you have to take these statistics with a grain of salt. But those of you who are watching on YouTube, and thank you as always, as Corbin said a moment ago. Then you, right you can now, see that I put rushing yards and receiving yards for Jaron Reed. I forgot to change it to tackles, <laughs> but we know that Jaron Reed has been fantastic getting after the quarterback. Well, and if you are able to see rushing yards and receiving yards, you're also seeing big, sexy Jaron Reed doing the kind of hip swivel there. So I think that that will, I'll give you some credit for that. The selection of the picture, if not the, uh, you know, changing some of the statistics there. But you also are highlighting John Michael Schmitz, who is the rookie center that, that the New York Giants selected in the second round that we 
Corbin, you and I talked a lot about uh, leading up to the draft. And John Michael Schmitz is the New York Giants starting center at this point. And he has struggled a little bit. And he is a player that I think that Jaron Reed and some of the other uh, Seahawks interior defenders, including perhaps even the rookie Cameron Young, might be able to take some advantage of. Where I have seen John Michael Schmitz consistently on tape over his first three weeks in the NFL struggle with is he gets very, very low and he leaves himself vulnerable to the overarm kind of swim moves. That is one of Jaron Reed's absolute specialties. Um, and the same thing here with uh, you know some of the Seattle's other defensive linemen. So I really think that this is a possibility that from the speed that I expect to see from the Seahawks on the outside, whether it be a you know their edge rushers like a Boye Mafia and Chenoweso, perhaps even the safety uh, with Jamal Adams expected to return to the game at this point. I do think that it's critical that Seattle is able to provide a little bit of interior pass rush as well. We've talked so much about Daniel Jones and his ability, not only as a passer, but as a rusher as well. If the Seahawks can control the middle, as I expect Jaron Reed to be able to do against the rookie center, it's not just about the guards, but the center very much in this game as well, then I really do think that this is a game that the Seahawks interior defensive line might be able to have the same type of, of success against the Giants on the road that Jaron Reed and, again, the rest of the Seahawks defensive line had against the Carolina Panthers a week ago at home. Yeah, and I think this is more than just the interior pass rush. We also have to look at the run defense aspect. The Giants have not ran the football very well. Even when Saquon Barkley has been healthy, the run game has been pretty sluggish at times. Now, Barkley's been able to make some things happen, especially that comeback they had against the Arizona Cardinals, a game that looked like they were going to get thumped, and they managed to come back from a 28-7 deficit and won that football game in the second half. But they have been unable to create a lot of push, and Barkley ended up getting injured, high ankle sprain, this leaving his status in doubt for this game and maybe a 50-50 proposition. So if the interior D-line can keep doing what they've done these first three weeks, like last week against Carolina, they could not run the football between the tackles because all of those guys played really well. I thought Mario Edwards had one of the best games of his career. I've been watching him for a long time with a number of teams, and I've never seen a game where from start to finish with – rushing the passer and stuffing the run where he was as dominant as he was. Can he do it again against another offensive line that's been struggling on the road this time? That to me is going to be a big key. Now you mentioned Jamal Adams. We have to include this in the key matchups because the giants have made some investments at the receiver position, but that is still an area that I would not view as a strength for this team. In fact, I think that it's shown in the first three weeks that it's probably still one of the bigger weaknesses they have on either side of the football, but what they did add this off season, they brought in Darren Waller, one of the best pass catching tight ends in the entire NFL. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet this season, but he's got 12 catches for 132 yards he is one of the few tight ends in this league that truly is a vertical threat every time he's on the field. This is a guy that can really stretch the field. He is a matchup problem with his size and his athleticism. And this is the type of matchup that you brought Jamal Adams in before the 2020 season to cover this kind of a player, whether it was George Kittle or dealing with Tyler Higby, you brought him in to play against the elite tight ends because you thought that was going to be an area where he could get the job done. He's had some good performances against Kittle over the years. There's been times that Tyler Higby has gotten the best of him. This is going to be a tough first test for him. And Julian Love, you can't say a former teammate because Julian Love was with the Giants when Waller was still with the Raiders, but 
That is an athletic cover safety that also can play in the box. Both these guys are going to get reps against Darren Waller, and he is the kind of tight end we know how many issues the Seahawks have had over the years defending this position. This year it's been a little better, knock on wood, but you are going to get a big test with a guy like Darren Waller who has the ability to go off for 100-plus receiving yards and one or two touchdowns any week that he's on the field, especially with Jamal Adams, this being his first game back. And the fact that Julian Love, until the second half last weekend, had really struggled in coverage, both of them are going to have to bring their A game. Or this is where the Giants' offense could get something going, getting the football to their tight ends. You know, it really could. I mean, because you're talking about Darren Waller, you know, one of the most dynamic and athletic tight ends in all of the NFL. Obviously, he's an aging player. Obviously, this is his first year in New York, and he has not yet shown the true rapport with Daniel Jones that, uh, you know, some veterans already have demonstrated. But still, as you said, I mean, tight end has been such a, a bugaboo for the Seahawks in the past. Jamal Adams, you have to expect he's going to be a little bit rusty, especially in coverage. Um, but I was very encouraged by what I saw. And you mentioned yesterday's show about how Julian Love played in the second half against the Carolina Panthers. Hayden Hurst, their tight end, is a good football player as well, also was in his very first season there with the Carolina Panthers. And so that incur that is, again, uh, you know, reason for optimism. And then what Jamal Adams can bring, I think, at the safety position is a guy that is such a dynamic edge threat. And uh, again, with Daniel Jones being the running threat that he is, I think that you have a possibility of allowing Jamal Adams not only to be that rusher, but also to kind of play that spy role that might be able to kind of slow down Daniel Jones and then by extension be able to potentially slow down Darren Waller as well. But this is a matchup that the Seahawks had better pay attention to because Darren Waller just is that good. And we know another player that's really good if he's available is Saquon Barkley. And we can't go into this game, especially with there being an extra day. I don't know that that makes a difference with a high ankle sprain, but all the reports out there is that it's not a significant one, which I feel like that's kind of an odd thing to characterize because all high ankle sprains are more severe than your lower ankle sprains. Still, though, the possibility that Saquon Barkley plays in this football game, we're talking about a guy that has scored two touchdowns with the Giants this year. That is a lot of damage because they have not found the end zone very much. But Barkley's got one rushing touchdown. He's got one receiving touchdown, over 100 rushing yards, 41 receiving yards, and an offense that otherwise has been pretty quiet the first three weeks of the season. This is going to be a nice litmus test for Jordan Brooks. And for Bobby Wagner, not just defending the run where they have been dominant at times here these first three games. It's one of the reasons the Seahawks have given up 2.9 yards per carry to this point. But they're also going to get tested by Barkley and his ability to catch the football, move him around some. Kind of like we were talking with Ken Walker the third. if he's healthy. The Giants have a big drop-off with their other running backs. But as you mentioned, they have a guy that's kind of like a running back playing quarterback. Daniel Jones might not look like he's an elite running quarterback, but he is. This is a guy that can do a lot of damage with his legs much faster than advertised. So that's also going to put stress on the linebackers who may get some QB spy responsibilities in this game. And that can open things up for other players like Saquon Barkley if he plays. So this is a matchup that I think is certainly one to watch, especially if number 26 is out there able to play. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It is as you said. I mean, the, the drop off between Saquon Barkley and say uh, Matt Breida, for example, who is listed as the primary backup behind Saquon Barkley, is just a you know Marriott Trench kind of drop off in talent. And I, I say that with all due respect to Matt Breida, good back, but Saquon Barkley is a whole, whole different level than any of the running backs that the Seahawks have faced over the first three weeks of this NFL season. If he does play then I think that the Giants are, are a legitimate candidate to, to beat the Seahawks, to upset the Seahawks, which is, you know, it's kind of unusual when you go on the road and you're actually a a, daw, or a, a, a favorite uh, on the road. But the Seahawks are at this point. And I think that that might switch here if Saquon Barkley is on the field because he is that spectacular. We just talked about it a moment ago with Ken Walker III getting the NFC Offensive Player of the Year or the Offensive Player of the Week, excuse me, because of his ability both as a runner and as a receiver. Well, Saquon Barkley is that caliber of player. There's a reason why he was selected as early as he is. He's a bigger player than, than Ken Walker III, and in fact, well, at least in the same category in terms of speed as Ken Walker III. That, to me, is the biggest concern because I, as excited as I have been about Jordan Brooks and certainly about the instincts that still remain with Bobby Wagner, this is a potential liability here for the Seahawks. So I, I think it's interesting because obviously the Monday night football game, Saquon Barkley does get that extra day here uh, to possibly be available. And you know, he wants to play on Monday night football. Are you kidding me? But still, it, it really is a matchup that bears watching. If he is on the field, I think that the Seahawks have to completely shift their attention. What I talked about before with Darren Waller, I think that that focus has to switch over to number 26. If, if he is indeed on the field for the Giants. We're going to flip the script now. Coming up next, we're going to look at the Seahawks on offense going up against a Giants defense that has some studs. They've got some talented players, but they have struggled to stop teams in these first three weeks as well. We'll get to those matchups coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Jace Medical. Two years ago, I randomly got sick during the middle of the day on a Sunday. I didn't want to have to rush to an urgent care to get a big medical bill. I would have loved to have a Jace case from Jace Medical with immediate antibiotics that I could use to get myself feeling better fast without all the upfront costs associated with heading to an emergency room or an urgent care. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Let's shift our attention now to the Seahawks' top five offense, at least in terms of points per game. The offense now is where we thought they should be, and yet it still feels like there's plenty of room for improvement going into this game. And as we talked about with the Giants on offense, the interior offensive line tried to deal with Draymond Jones and Jared Reed and Mario Edwards. That could be advantageous for the Seahawks. 
Well, the Giants have one of the better defensive lines in the NFL. They've got a massive human being in Dexter Lawrence, who, by the way, has been a Seahawk killer over the years. He's played some really good games against the Seahawks. So has Leonard Williams, a guy that can play inside as well as off the edge. And Sean Robinson did some nice things for the Rams against the Seahawks a year ago, a player that has had some success against them. So this is an experienced, talented defensive line. And Seattle thinks they're going to have Phil Haynes back for this game. They've got Damian Lewis getting healthier, and Evan Brown's good to go. But still, they've had some injuries in that position. If there's an area where the Giants could take over this game defensively, it is still that front line. Again, very well said, sir. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, to me, is the one that should keep the Seahawks coaches, Seahawks fans up at night, Geno Smith up at night, and certainly whoever is playing at the guard and center positions, whether it be Phil Haynes, whether it be the rookie Anthony Bradford, I don't care if it's Damian Lewis at the left guard position. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I said this on yesterday's show, and there might be some people who kind of scoff at this when I said that I think that he's the strongest man in the NFL. I, I just kind of kind of go back for a moment and go back to the, the 2019 combine where this man put up 36 repetitions of 225 pounds. So 36 reps. That, that's that's, that's an impressive number. There's been guys that put up 40 reps, but none of them had 35-inch arms like this guy has. And it's just basic physics. If you have long arms, it's harder to push up any type of weight. He's got exceptionally long arms and exceptional strength. I mentioned this before with John Michael Schmitz, where the, the center for the uh, New York Giants, and where he has struggled is with the swim move. Where Evan Brown, Seattle center, has struggled a little bit. It's just guys that push him back with bull rushes. That's exactly what Dexter Lawrence and his strength can do. And so when you have that power in the inside, when you have Dexter Lawrence next to him, Rakeem Nunez Rocha is, is a good football player as well. The, the pass rush that the Giants can provide on the outside. I, I mentioned this again. The two teams that the, that the New York Giants have lost to so far are the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. This is a significant, uh, you know, test for the Seahawks along the offensive line. This New York Giants defensive line, especially at home, especially angry, especially desperate right now, it is formidable. And this defensive line can absolutely change this game for the Seahawks. So to me, this is the number one matchup you have to watch. If you're looking from a fantasy perspective, I think that you have to expect that Geno Smith's going to have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. You're going to have to see the Seattle running backs get the ball and move upfield quickly yep. because, again, this defensive line is that damn good. Yeah, the thing is, and maybe this is not a good thing for the Seahawks, but this group, Dexter Lawrence, has been dominant like usual. But – the rest of this defensive line has really struggled in these first three games, especially against the run. The run defense has been a big problem for this team, and they weren't very good stopping the run last year, but the one game that they did have success was against the Seahawks, ironically, in that Week 8 game. Even though the Seahawks ended up winning it, Ken Walker the third got held under 45 rushing yards in that game. They bottled it up. Not a lot of success running the football. The Seahawks do feel like they have a much better interior offensive line right now than they did at that point, and they're hoping to have all three of their starters in this game. So that is a fascinating matchup. Are they going to be able to withstand that line talent that has hurt them in the past couple matchups against the Giants, or is it still going to be a problem? That is going to be big to watch in this one. Now, I want to shift gears here. This might be the first time this entire season that we have not mentioned wide receivers on Matchup Wednesday. And I think a big reason for it is the Giants have had major problems at the safety position. Maybe they are really missing Julian Love because 
Xavier McKinney has given up a bunch of big plays. This is a young secondary. The corners and safeties have really struggled giving up explosive plays, and they've had a lot of problems with tight ends. This is a game, I look at the size, the lack of size at safety that the Giants have. This is a game where I'm trying to see if I can get Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant stretching the seams a little bit. The Giants have given up 189 receiving yards in three games to tight ends. That is the second most in the NFL. They haven't given up any touchdowns, but a lot of the big plays that have gotten teams in the red zone to then score touchdowns against them, who do you think's done the damage? The tight ends have been a major problem, and a lot of that lies in the safeties. We know how good Seattle's tight ends have been. They think they're going to have Will Disley back this week to go with Fant and Parkinson. I expect that this is another one of those games that Shane Waldron, if he is game planning the right way against this defense, looking at the film, you've got to be thinking there's got to be an emphasis getting the football. And I think in this game, it might be a little different in the sense, like I said, if you have the time, get these guys running vertically a little bit and see if you can test and stretch these safeties that have had a lot of issues with tight ends in the first part of the season here. They, they have. Um, they, they Just from a statistical standpoint, they have struggled against the tight ends so far. Again, I would kind of mention that, you know, two of the tight ends that they had to face were George Kittle and Zach Ertz, who have a whole bunch more Pro Bowl honors than anybody on Seattle's tight end roster. But again, when you have a formidable defensive line like the Giants have, you have a lot of inexperience at the, at the inside linebacker position that the, the Giants have. Um, the, their safeties are, are decent. I mean, Xavier McKinney and Jason Pinnock, who is a, a free agent that was brought over from the Jets across the town. Uh, you know, there, there is some vulnerability there. And I thought, you know, again, kudos to the Seahawks for the success that they had, especially a week ago, but also against the Detroit Lions and really featuring their tight ends. Um, you know, I, I think that that should be a something that Shane Waldron, Geno Smith are, are going to very much be taking, trying to take advantage of here. And again, we, we talked about this for the last couple of years, Corbin. The Seahawks have really talented group of tight ends here. So use the, the length that is uh, Kobe Parkinson. Use the physicality that is Will Disley if he's available to you. And damn it, with, with Noah Fant, I mean, use the speed that he possesses. I think that that is something that the Seahawks should try to take advantage of, specifically with Jason Pinnock. His ability upfield. He's a guy that actually has three tackles for loss at this point. The Giants have been super, super aggressive. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, that's one of the things he likes to do. It's one of the reasons why Julian Love had the success that he had a year ago. They are very aggressive. I just got to trust Geno Smith and his ability to read defenses and make plays um, kind of in the improvisational game. I think that that is an advantage for the CX. They might be able to get a big play from their tight ends right down the seam. Yeah, and if you're going to blitz a bunch, who better to use as a blitz hot read than one of these tight ends? I just think yeah. that it sets up favorably. This is a matchup that I feel like those tight ends should be featured, and I think it opens things up as the game goes on against corners that are decent but not great. There should be some big plays available down the line with your receivers. But I feel like this is a game the tight ends kind of serve like the run game a little bit and can open things up for those receivers on the outside. Speaking of the run game, I think that this is maybe the most important thing for the Seahawks. I don't think they can go to the Meadowlands and have a game where they average 2.6 yards per carry like they did last year. You can't do that against this football team that has struggled to stop the run all year long. You've got to get your backs, Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet. We talked about in the first segment how dynamic and they are as complementary weapons. You have to get those guys getting downhill because the linebackers – 
Bobby Okarike is a good player, but he is an undersized linebacker that when he is at his worst is when teams are getting that downhill running game going and he can be abused, especially by backs like Zach Charbonnet that have so much potential after contact. And then you've got Isaiah Simmons who came over from the Arizona Cardinals via trade. He is a phenomenal athlete, but I have not seen him make that jump to turning the athleticism into being a consistent quality NFL football player. That's one reason Arizona moved on from him as quickly as they did. Now, he's a guy that can make some plays in space. He can pick off passes. Russell Wilson would tell you about that a few years ago in that overtime loss to the Cardinals. There are flashes, but he is another guy. If you can get that running game going downhill at him, he is going to back away. He has not proven consistently that he will take on blocks and get off blocks. I feel like these linebackers, if you can win a little bit at the line of scrimmage like they did last week, get Ken Walker the third and Zach Charbonnet to those linebackers. I feel like Seattle can have success in the run game again and also in the passing game. As athletic as Simmons is, he's given up some big plays in his career in coverage. The running backs could be heavily utilized in the passing game too to help open things up. So this is a matchup where the, the Giants could turn the tide in this game, but I also feel like the Seahawks could really make things in heavily in their favor if they are able to get their running backs going in the run game and a little bit in the passing game as well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that, as I mentioned before with Saquon Barkley, what a dynamic talent that he is and how I think that this is a, a yet another game where the Seahawks look pretty darn smart for investing in multiple running backs with multiple early draft picks because in, in Kenneth Walker III and Zach Charbonnet, you have two backs who are just so darn different, and the New York Giants have a couple of linebackers. You mentioned Isaiah Simmons. I mean, this guy who's, who, who is built like a safety, runs like a safety, plays like a safety, but is asked to often line up as a linebacker. He just doesn't have the, the physicality that you're looking for at that spot. Micah McFadden, who is the New York Giants leading tackler, leading tackle for lost guy, he runs like a slow linebacker from the 1980s. And so Micah, or excuse me, Kenneth Walker III has the burst that might be able to absolutely eat McFadden up for lunch. Now, if you're going to try to run between the tackles, again, where I think the Giants already have a little bit of an advantage, that's where Micah McFadden can absolutely eat you up. He, he is a big, physical kind of a guy. He's going to be able to create some tackles in that spot. And so, again, get those running backs in the outside, as you just mentioned. Um, you know, if you're talking about a guy like Bobby Okariki, he's kind of a, a combination of the two. And, I, look, I think he's a good football player. I remember scouting him back at Stanford. Good player. Not a dynamic player. And so, again, I think that this is a position that Seattle should be able to take at least a little bit of advantage. they got to get a, a little bit of push from the front to be able to create some holes for Seattle's running backs, whoever it might be getting the, getting the ball at that spot. But this is a position that Seattle should be able to take advantage of a – relatively pedestrian New York Giants inside linebacker crew. And again, coming off of a NFC uh, Offensive Player of the Week award, I'm very much looking at Ken Walker III and very much looking at Zach Charbonnet to be able to kind of feast a little bit on Monday Night Football. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rank. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up early tomorrow, it's Crossover Thursday. I'm happy to be joining Patricia Trader of Locked on Giants, and we'll continue to dive into this upcoming Monday night battle in the Meadowlands. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!